Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great articles, videos, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. All right, right now I'm joined, and I'm very excited to be joined, by Dorian Kraft, sports anchor and reporter of THV11. Been covering the Razorbacks and also has a little bit of a perspective as she was uh, growing up in Kentucky, too, as far as how the football side of things go over there in Lexington as Arkansas gets ready for the game against the Wildcats this Saturday, 6.30. Dorian, appreciate you joining me. How are you this afternoon? I am wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think, again, I don't have a whole lot of guests come on, so consider yourself privileged. And uh, I'll try I to. I do. I'll it's try special. to. Yeah, because you're usually the one that's interviewing people. Like you interviewed me right. at SEC Media I Days, did. and I thought I was like big time. And so I feel like, eh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and try to repay the favor as best as I can and have you as an interview. So. Sounds like a plan. Let's do this. Okay, so I want to ask you first off just about more like you and how, how you came to be in Arkansas because I know that a lot of people come and go in the state of Arkansas as far as sports anchors and sports reporters. Some stay, mm-hmm. but for the most part, uh, they kind of come and go. But you, you've you been in Arkansas now for a while, so how did you end up here in this state covering the Razorbacks? Well, actually, uh, I was living in Ohio at the time, um, and I had just wrapped up about six months prior. So I worked in Lexington uh, from 2015 to 2017, and I had uh, finished my contract there, taking some time off to find uh, the next right fit. And uh, one day my agent called and was like, hey, you know, uh, a station in, in Little Rock, Arkansas is interested. And I kind of stopped for a second. And I was like, Arkansas? Like I never, I never thought that I would be interested in in uh, coming down to Arkansas. It's very different from anywhere that I've ever lived. And my agent was like, just hear him out, just talk to him. And, you know, the very first time that I talked to my now boss, uh, Dave Parker, I knew that he was the guy that I wanted to work for. And then when I came down on my job interview, and thankfully Parker moved down here from Philadelphia. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so we had, like, a little connection. And so we were driving around and he goes, tell me the truth. What do you think? And I was like, I like it. And so that's, that's, <laughs> he kind of sold me on it. And I got down here and it's, uh, it's been better than I could have ever anticipated. Well, that's what a lot of people say once they get to Arkansas, he's never been. And for somebody that grew up in Arkansas, like I did, I guess I always have a different perspective, but I will say though, <laughs> that you have kind of na- made a name for yourself uh, in various ways. But the one thing that of course is most recently that I know we and you have talked about is when, mm-hmm. when things were kind of rough with the Razorback football team and Hunter Yurchek had to go and speak to the Little Rock Touchdown Club, the athletic director, after that San Jose State loss, you were you were pretty adamant about asking him some of these questions of, you know, what's, what's the job situation look like for Chad Morris? Is there any buyout getting thrown around? I mean, those were some of the questions that seem that a lot of people wouldn't ask, but, hey, you asked them, and I got to give you credit for it. Well, I, I do chalk it up to the fact that, you know, maybe I'm not from here. And so I, I I don't feel badly about asking. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, first of all, I don't think obviously that schedule's put out, you know, months in advance. And obviously no one thought that Arkansas was going to lose to San Jose State two or three days prior to when Hunter Yerchek had to speak at the touchdown club. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I'm just doing my job. And, uh, you know, I, I fully feel like Hunter Yerchek uh, is doing his I don't think the questions that I asked were out of line. They were respectful, and I certainly, you know, not trying to 
stir up anything or create drama. But these are questions, and you, you know this as well, these are questions that we get asked all the time. People want to know, you know, who gets held account- accountable when programs or when Arkansas suffers just an embarrassing loss like that. And I think we, it's safe to say we can call that embarrassing. Uh, they want to know, you know, what he sees that maybe fans don't. And so to do my job accurately, I need to ask those questions because I don't have an answer unless we get them from Hunter Yurichek. And, you know, I felt like he was respectful. You know, he he's a pro with this. He knows he has to answer tough questions. And so I know it got a lot of traction on social media, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm just doing my job. And I'm glad that people, you know, took notice because that means that I'm doing my job effectively. So obviously covering the Razorbacks and when you that topic gets thrown around because let's be honest after losing to San Jose State I think all bets are off I think yeah. it's calmed down a little <laughs> bit since uh, mm-hmm. they, they performed I guess okay against Texas A and M but I would call just, it better than okay yeah I, well I, I guess mean, I, I'm I, I would call I would call Portland State okay I think <laughs> I think Texas A and M is slightly better than okay not to interrupt you but. You know, I think we saw some progress a little bit. Okay, so, all right, so taking that and seeing some progress, though, is that still enough to be where if Chad Morris goes, I mean, my goodness, if they go over an SEC play again, which is a realistic thing. I mean, they have not proven it that is. they can win SEC games just yet. If they go o for an SEC play, I mean, should there be significant changes made in your mind? Um, If they go o for, I so I don't think, I don't think that we will see Chad Morris lose his job, even if they go over in the SEC. And here's why, and it'll actually lead really well into a conversation about Kentucky, because what people don't like to hear is that rebuilding a program really does take a full recruiting cycle, not just a class, not just two classes. You're looking at a full three to four year cycle where you can have an entire team full of guys that you have specifically recruited for your scheme. So I think you're looking at at least two to three more years of Chad Morris, regardless of how this season ends up. As for the coordinators, I'm not so sure. I don't know if they go over if John Chavis or Joe Craddock, or maybe even both, end up being let go so that Morris can stay. That's something that we see a lot. And again, you know, I'll bring it up uh, when we talk about Kentucky, but I watched Mark Stoops rebuild the Kentucky program in the three seasons that I covered there, and he went through multiple different coordinators before he finally landed on the combination of Eddie Grant and Matt House. Now, Matt House has obviously gone on to the NFL, but it took Mark Stoops multiple coordinators before they got a coaching staff and recruiting class that kind of elevated them to the next level. And so when you're rebuilding a program, your coaching staff is just as important as the players you bring in. So I don't know if they survive. I think John Chavis might be the first one to go if you see a shakeup, but I'm not sure at the end of the day whether or not they're both going to be here moving forward. But that's just my opinion. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, so let's shift it over then to Kentucky because sure. Kentucky is one of, if not the only, program in SEC where football's not the number one sport, <laughs> or at least the sport right. that drives the school. Now, I know that that's there's other schools that have good sports and sports that mean a lot to them, but football is still king in the SEC. But Kentucky, it's all about basketball. But thing is, is that in football yeah. <laughs> historically they have not been. 
uh, a premier program, at least over the past 15 or 20 years. But last year, most states... Even longer than that. Yeah, longer than that. I'm trying to just be it in recent history. But uh, <laughs> it's, it seems like, though, that Mark Stoops was able to build it from nothing. Won two games his first year, got to five win seasons and seven win seasons, and last year, ten win seasons. I know they're struggling this year, and they're battling through some injuries. But to be able mm-hmm. to win and to be able to have that success at a place like Kentucky, where you're always going to be overshadowed by the football program, can't be easy to do. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I've actually spent the majority of the last year kind of likening what Chad Morris is trying to do here to what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky with the caveat that recruiting to Arkansas is likely easier than it is recruiting to Kentucky because in terms of football, Arkansas doesn't have to play second fiddle to the basketball team. That's just the facts. Uh, Football is always going to be king uh, in the natural state. Uh, Mark Stoops, I think, has benefited from the support of Mitch Barnhart. You know, when I got there in 2015, he was entering his third season, and that year they were 5-7. and They missed out on a bowl game. And I can remember the fan base screaming for him to be fired. They said that, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. He was in over his head. He was a terrible coach. And Mitch Barnhart basically said, no, you know, this is our guy. We're going to ride it out. We're going to give him time to build this program. And I think he knows what he's doing. And ultimately, you know, it it was slow and steady progress. It was five and seven and then six and six and then seven and six. And last year was a 10 win season. And so Mark Stoops has shown that he's been able to build a program from the bottom. And, you know, when it comes to recruiting, it's, this is not just a, a football thing. This is across the board. It is really hard. And I will say this uh, from the perspective of a, of a student athlete because I played in college and I got recruited, you know, by some schools that weren't that great. Um, but it's really hard to get kids to come in with the promise of, Hey, we're going to get kicked around for a couple of years. But I think in four years, when you're a senior and you're getting ready to leave the program, we're going to be really good, but you have to put in the work up front. And I can't make any promises about how good we're going to be for the first three years. It is really hard to sell that to kids who see, the Alabamas and the Clemsons win national championship after national championship because every, that's what everybody wants. Nobody goes to play college athletics with the hope of being a you know four and eight team in the SEC. That's just not realistic. So recruiting is a lot harder than people think. I think Stoops has shown that it can be done and it needs time. And I ultimately I do think that Chad Morris is going to be able to do that here at Arkansas. I just think it's going to take a little bit longer than you know most people want. So how much time? I mean, because that's really what it comes down to is how much time does a coach need or in the situation that Chad Morris finds himself in, how much time does Chad Morris need to get it turned around? Because, listen, fans, they are impatient across the board. They're impatient everywhere. But with given the circumstances of how some of these losses have been so horrible – it's really tough for fans to say, no, no, give them three or four years of winning three or four games a season, and then it'll get going. So how much time does a coach need, especially in Chad Morris's situation? Yeah, I, I will admit the, the losing the games that you're supposed to win does not help the argument. If you're going to have seasons in which you don't get to a bowl game, you need to at least win the games that you're supposed to win. And so I think that really hurts. But I think – so I think the thing this year that you're seeing, even though it's not necessarily reflected in the record, is they look more competitive. They don't look as lost as they did at times last year. I'm going to take the San Jose State game and just throw it out because I do believe that they absolutely were looking past that game to Texas A&M because I know when I was standing on the sideline, there were people in the coaching staff that said, you know, these guys aren't very good. We're not going to have a problem with them. 
And I think that's an attitude that they took into that game. And you can see, you know, they look like they were sleepwalking through most of it. So I'm going to push, push that game to the side against Texas A&M. They looked better against Colorado state. They looked better. So they look at times they've looked better. They're not all the way there yet. I think next year is the year that you're really going to start to see these dividends come in because Theoretically, you're going to have, unless something happens, you'll have Starkle as a senior. You're going to have these freshman wide receivers who are really, really good. They're going to have another year of experience. You have Raheem Boyd who will be coming back. So I think next year is the year that you're really going to see that leap that we were hoping to see this year. I think we're still one year away. Now, if he does not make a significant jump between this year and next year, I think next year – you know, if, if we're looking at another, you know, four and eight, at that point is the time where we need to start having the discussion about, okay, like, what do we need to do from here? But in terms of firing coaches after a short time period, I will say Hunter Juracek touched on this at the Touchdown Club because I know a lot of people are so unhappy that we're still paying Brett Bielma his buyout. But Juracek said that these big buyouts are because the coaching turnover is so much faster than it used to be, and that buyout is the insurance policy. So if you don't want to pay the big buyout, you have to be a little bit more patient on the front end. So you can't, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. I have a theory behind the whole buyout deal, too, is, of course, that's the way it is. And that's the way the game is today, is that coaches get big buyouts. Mm -hmm. Fans may not like it, but as I tell fans a lot of times, listen, it's it's not usually your money. It's not like the U of A is coming to you saying, hey, we need to buy out this coach. We need a million. Well, you Uh, know, (laughs) I have a theory that I want people to pay me millions of dollars not to do my job. I'd be okay with that. I love doing what I'm doing. I would totally be okay with that. Yeah, I'd love to suck at my job and get paid a lot. (laughs) Uh, That would be the best thing ever. But unfortunately, we're not in that field. But I believe, though, that the the whole reason that this is the case, and especially in the SEC and maybe even on the national scale, is because of Nick Saban. Nick Saban changed college football so Mm -hmm. much that it's not even just in the SEC, but in college football, if you're at Michigan or Ohio State or Texas or Oklahoma or or USC or Florida State or just name a big-time blue blood program in football, if you're not having that ultra-success – that they feel like are competing with Alabama, competing against Nick Saban year in and year out, you don't get as much time. I mean, for crying out loud, Les Miles got fired at LSU for winning mm-hmm. pretty much ten games a year, and that's and that anywhere else, yeah, anywhere else you'd be he'd be still be the coach, but that's not the way right. the game is. So I feel like these buyouts and these short leashes have been a direct impact from Nick Saban and the ultimate success that he's had in college football. No, I would completely agree with that. And I'm interested to see how things progress because it's looked like Dabo Sweeney has had his number the last couple of years. Yeah. And so I'm I, not that I think that Saban would be anywhere close to being, you know, on a on a hot seat or on a short leash. But, you know, Sweeney with the rise of Clemson has showed that there now are people that can compete with Alabama. So I'm interested to see how that's going to change Georgia obviously as well. Um, I'm interested to see how that's going to change the power dynamic, not just in the SEC, but across the country. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. I, 
I, I got to switch gears a little bit because, as right. we mentioned, you you know you're pretty familiar with the Kentucky program. I want to talk to you about bas- mm-hmm. basketball though, because that's really what Roar <laughs> Razorback fans are excited about. Are probably you, at this are you point. sure? I was gonna say, are you sure you're not from Kentucky? Because you sound like a Kentucky fan right now. Hey, listen, gloss over football. <laughs> l- listen, it's it's gotten to that point where it's been that bad at Razorback football. Is that basketball <laughs> is is in the air? And I, I will say this because I've had some people from Kentucky Sports Radio on my show and on my mm-hmm. podcast and. And I've talked to other Kentucky guys that have been in the media for a long time, and they tell me that there is nothing that they would like more or they think that should happen and is having Arkansas basketball back to being kind of a rival with Kentucky. Because when Arkansas first joined the SEC throughout the 90s, it was a pretty solid rivalry. I mean, the game was always uh, on Saturdays, CBS, 1 o'clock. It was a big deal. And, of course, Arkansas took steps back. Kentucky still go went on. But – as far as from your perspective and knowing that fan base and knowing the program a little more, do you feel like that's something that not only do these teams want, but maybe the SEC or even college basketball needs is to have Arkansas and Kentucky competing at a very, very high level together in the SEC? Absolutely. I mean, I don't, you know, especially for us, I think it's it's important to have Arkansas competing at a high level again. And uh, before we even go down that path, I do think that Eric Musselman uh, will get the program there. I was at the red-white scrimmage. Uh, you and I saw each other. Very excited about what he's bringing to the table. Um, but, yeah, you know, I remember, and uh, probably the only thing that I will admit fandom on um, is Kentucky basketball. I grew up as one. And, I, you know, I remember even as a kid, being nervous whenever Kentucky played Arkansas because I knew it was always going to be a tough game. I knew, you know, it wasn't a guaranteed win. And, you know, it's as a fan, it's always more fun to watch the team that you cheer for beat another good team. It's not as fun when you beat someone that you know you're supposed to beat. And so I think just a good Arkansas team going against a good Kentucky team or an Arkansas team, you know, now Tennessee's been doing some great things under Rick Barnes. Um, as a Kentucky basketball fan, it pains me a little bit to say that, but I will admit it. Um, you know, it, to have to have a solid Arkansas program, it, it raises a level of competition across the board. It's not just it's not just Kentucky. You know, um, you know, I, as as a as a journalist and as a fan of college basketball, I like to see parity across uh, across the league. Yeah, that's I, I, kind of been that way too. Where it's be great if it was Arkansas and Kentucky because obviously Kentucky mm-hmm. is the Alabama of the SEC when right. it comes to basketball. But you know, it's just I'm going to tell you up front. I I hate Ohio State football and I hate <laughs> Texas A&M football and little Missouri football just because they're annoying. But I'm probably have my strongest passion of hatred towards Kentucky basketball, and that's no offense to you. I but... find that to be a very galvanizing. Uh... <laughs> standpoint from a lot of fan bases in the country and I understand you know I I grew up in uh, most of my life in Pittsburgh I grew up a little bit in Lexington obviously I'm from there but you know I'm a Steelers fan when it comes to the NFL and a lot of people don't like Steelers fans either so I'm used to it by now yeah well and here's the thing I actually did not used to mind Kentucky as much back when they had Rick Pitino and Tom and uh Tubby Smith I I didn't mind him I'm a a Tubby Smith fan myself yeah I always always liked Tubby and respected Tubby but once they got Calipari I'm I'm off board (laughs) I I can't do that I I just I I, that's the thing that made it even worse is that because of Memphis or because of the coach Cal as a whole. Well, I mean, he's just everywhere he's been, you know, he's had the final fours removed from UMass and and at Memphis. And also as growing up as a Razorback fan, the main reason is, is because after Nolan Richardson was fired, Arkansas used to play Memphis every year when Calipari was there. Mm -hmm. But after that, 
last game that they played in Memphis beat Arkansas, he and the university canceled the series because they said, we want to play only nationally relevant teams from here on out. So, Ooh. yeah, kind of a burn. So, I was going to win. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't set well with a lot of Razorback fans. So that's my whole thing. That's my whole beef. Listen, they, they're a good program. <laughs> they're But, okay, real quick before I let you get out, because I'm just fascinated <laughs> by this. Do you are do you feel like Kentucky basketball should have more national titles than what they do under Calipari? I understand it's tough. You got a field of sixty eight out there. It's extremely difficult, but the amount of NBA talent year in and year out that they get, and I'm not even saying winning national championships, but they should be a Final Four team almost every single year. And in a lot of cases, they've fallen short. I'm just surprised that Calipari has only won one title. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I know that you are echoing a sentiment that I've heard uh, among Big Blue Nation for a very long time. They do feel, for the most part, uh, with the amount of talent that Kentucky's brought in, that they should have more national championships to show for it. And I know that there are, I won't say a, a large portion, but a, a somewhat vocal portion of the fan base that believe that Kentucky should still be focused on national championships and not so much as a pipeline to the NBA. Now I know Coach Cal has talked loud and long about how what he's doing is helping these kids and helping them set themselves up for a future as opposed to just winning national championships. Um, but from strictly a fan base, I don't know if everybody agrees with him. The thing about talent is, is I mean, we see it everywhere. You know, talent only goes so far, and talent doesn't necessarily equate to wins. They're very good teams. If you look, I would have to look up, you know, the overall record, from the entire time that he's been there. But I would have to imagine, you know, they're probably one of, if not the winningest period or mm-hmm. the winningest program within that period. They just don't have the national titles to show for it. I think they probably have the talent to have more, but that's what makes March Madness so great in my you know, personal Christmas is because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. Trust me. I think that uh, everybody would love to switch positions. At least most people would love to switch positions with Kentucky and the success that they've had to go along with it. So definitely not. Only really successful fan bases can be upset about stuff like that because that's when you know that you you know you've had a pretty good run where you can complain that you've only you know won one national title and you really should have a ton more because you have NBA talent. So oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, only Alabama football fans can get mad at a ten win season. I mean, it's just that's how ridiculous (laughs) it is. But that is the way it is, and. That is Dorian Kraft. She is the sports anchor and reporter over at THV 11 in Little Rock. You can follow her on Twitter at Dorian Kraft. Dorian, really appreciate you hopping on with us and give us a little bit of different no. perspective. And I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 